Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, February the 19th, 2022. It is currently 1047 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. And we are currently in the middle of taking the spotlight that we have and shining it on another Christian podcast. That, that's what we are doing. We don't have a large uh, spotlight because we are kind of a small, insignificant podcast in some ways. In some ways, we, we do really well. And so, I guess it depends on how you measure it. But in many cases, we're a small, we have a small spotlight. But we're taking this small spotlight, this small flashlight, and we're shining it on a Christian podcast to try to get you to subscribe to it and listen to it, trying to help you get the most out of all of the spiritual content that is available to you. And in the last episode, we turned our spotlight, our little flashlight, on the Fundamental Baptist Podcast, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. And we've made it 18 minutes into the podcast that we are reviewing, and they just introduce this idea that they're going to discuss, they're going to expose, they're going to to talk about a new doctrine. Now, this is a new doctrine that according to the, 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 the host of this podcast, who has been preaching for 30 plus years and been teaching the Bible and I think even teaching in a Bible college, he's never heard of this theology. He's never heard of it. He's never heard anyone mention it. Uh, he's never heard any teaching on it, but it's a new doctrine. It's a new doctrine. So if this doctrine is out there, we want to know what it is. We want to know the origin of it. I, I, I'm hoping they really, 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 like if this is a new doctrine that's so significant. Now remember, the Fundamental Baptist Podcast is a new podcast. And so they've only done five episodes. This was really kind of episode one. They had an episode zero, then they did an episode one. If they're going to dedicate really basically episode one to it, then I'm assuming it's got to be something significant. So I'm hoping they give us the background and the context so that we can really, we can identify this uh, theology, know where it's at, and then be able to, to respond to it. I'm a little nervous in the approach I think they're going to take, but we will see. I, but I still want to hear about this supposed new doctrine and theology. So I'm going to back this up right to, I'm going to go back to at least, uh, yeah, right about 18 minutes. And we're just going to jump back in. We spent so much time in the first episode listening to basically their intro that now I don't want to waste any time. We're just going to jump right in. Here we go. If you missed the last part, go back and listen to it. We're, we're reviewing the the fundamental the fundamental Baptist podcast. Uh, that's what we're turning our spotlight on. We would challenge you to look for it, subscribe to it. It's a new podcast, so they're they're working through some of you know the basic growing pains all podcasts work through. Uh, their their identity will probably become, I think they've, they've got a pretty, I think they're identifying what they're trying to do pretty clear. So they seem to have a clear identity, but that identity will probably change and their approach will probably change over time because that happens with, well, all podcasting. But um, right now, I'm just curious about this new doctrine. I'm curious about this new doctrine. So let's jump in and let's see how far we can get. Okay, I got that. Um, but boy, how they take that and how they interpret that is just totally wrong so that nothing else in the Bible we need to do or go by except accept Jesus as your Savior. That's it. And then just live in Jesus. 
All right, now, I have to back up and at least let you know what's going on. I didn't back up that quite far enough. I didn't back that up quite far enough, if I can talk correctly. I didn't back that up quite far enough. Yeah, I'm I'm repeating myself now multiple times. Um, uh, And so, let me just try to explain where they are. They're talking about there's a new teaching out there about the new covenant. And basically, this teaching is saying that the new covenant does away with everything else. And all you have to do is believe in Jesus and basically just live in Jesus and nothing else is required. Now, how far they take that, I don't know. That's what we're going to have hopefully here explained in the next few minutes. So let's listen and have him now explain. I I, I could have, let me see. I'm going to try to back that up just a little further. I'm going to go even a little further here. All right. Just so that we get the idea of exactly what's going on. Here we go binding agreement okay in the bible there's the uh there's the endemic um the adam covenant there's the uh, noah covenant there's the abraham covenant abrahamic covenant there's the israel covenant there's a mosaic covenant there's the david covenant that uh someone from his family line would always be uh, on the throne of uh, judah and then there's a new covenant talked about in jeremiah 31 and matthew and hebrews and this new covenant um and what they say is this new covenant is doing away with everything of the old. Okay, I got that. Um, But boy, how they take that and how they interpret that is just totally wrong. So that nothing else in the Bible we need to do or go by except accept Jesus as your Savior. That's it. And then just live in Jesus and rejoice in Jesus and enjoy Jesus. And boy, that's good. That sounds good. Uh, And boy, people love that. But biblically, there is so much more that God still does want us to do. And so I'm going to read Hebrews um, 8, 6 through 13, just to read that. And so now, um, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. So he's talking Old Testament. He's, uh, that was a prophesy of that. Verse 9, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the days when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Very simply, the old covenant of the priest ministering with the blood of bulls and goats and lambs and turtles wasn't perfect. Now that Jesus has come and has paid for our sins and the sprinkling of that blood is on the mercy seat in heaven, the old covenant is done. So we don't sacrifice the blood of animals anymore because. All right, I got to jump in here. I do want to hear their their perspective here. I want to hear what this new teaching is, but let's just make a, a couple of observations. And I know this is very controversial and I know that there'll be many who will disagree, but we just need to get this out of the way. The new covenant was made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
That's who it was made with. We, we cannot ignore that, okay? Now, if we go back to Jeremiah, where we read about this prophecy, and then Hebrews is quoting from that prophecy, this is very, very important because I think there is a tendency. Well, it depends on how you, how you, depends on your theological background. There are some who will say, well, it says house of Israel and house of Judah. That is referring to spiritual Israel. That is basically referring to the church. In other words, that this covenant's not made with the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah. It's not, it's, you know, it's not made with them. That That's using language that's signifying spiritual Israel, which is the church. I have major problems with that. If you go back to Jeremiah, clearly they understood that to be a a covenant made with Israel, with the house of Judah, with the house of Israel. It's repeated, it's repeated even here in Hebrews. And if you understand Hebrews and understand the historical context, I think it even becomes more significant that we understand the covenant is made with Israel, uh, the uh, the national Israel, with, with a nation of Israel and not spiritual Israel per se like the church. And here's the reason why. Hebrews is written to Jews and it's a warning that guess what's about to happen? That old covenant, everything associated with the old covenant, the priesthood, the sacrifice, the temple, everything associated with the old covenant is about, as it says at the end of chapter eight, is ready to vanish away. Yeah, this Hebrews is written in 66 AD. In just a few years, it's going to go completely away because in 70 AD, the temple is destroyed. Basically everything, their sacrificial system is destroyed. Their priesthood is destroyed. Their temple is destroyed. Everything is destroyed. Everything is destroyed. But there is hope. God has made a covenant, a new covenant with the house of Israel and house of Judah. And that there will come a time that God will fulfill that specifically for Israel and for Judah, unless you then say that they have, they will vanish away and that they've been replaced by the church is what many people will do. I believe they are set aside. The church is grafted in and we reap those benefits, but the, the covenant is specifically made with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You go back to Jeremiah, clearly it's connected to the, to, to national Israel that's the only way it could be understood. And, and land promises seem to still be connected with that covenant. Well, that means then Israel's going to have to get the land. There's going to be all, there's going to be a future fulfillment of these promises made in the new covenant to Israel that they have never experienced. So I believe that the covenants made with them, and then we are engrafted in and reap some of the benefits from that covenant. Now, I know others will say, no, the new covenant is made with the church, not with Israel. And that house of Israel and house of Judah are just, it's just using that language to refer to spiritual Israel. And well, you could have these discussions. Um, So I just want you to realize that, yeah, that old covenant's going to vanish away. It was going to vanish away in a literal way. (laughs) Literally, the old covenant was going to vanish away because everything that was required for that old covenant is going to be destroyed. And even today, Judaism it's just a shell of itself. They still can't do their sacrifices. They still don't have the temple. They still don't have a priesthood. They still don't have any of those things. So I think that's very important. All right, here we go.
was that which is perfect, Jesus Christ, the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so he atoned not for a year, but Jesus' blood sprinkled is sprinkled forever. It's done, okay? And so we do not and are not under those things. Now listen very carefully. This is such a big thing. Anything that Jesus didn't take away is still there. In the military, the time we had a uh, it was called the uh, General Orders. And our first General Order, and I can't quote it, it's been 30, uh, 32 years for me, but basically the gist of it was you continue with the last command given until you're given another command, okay? And it's called the uh, the First General <laughs> Order. And so um, we literally had some guys, it wasn't my um, platoon, uh, but I heard about this, that um, they were given a command, Forward March. And in that forward march, they were marching. Well, the drill sergeant got pulled away by somebody else and something else that was going on. And so the platoon marched and they kept marching and they got to the end where there was a um, uh, there was a fence and everyone stopped except this one guy. He kept going, went over the fence, kept marching. They found him in town a few <laughs> hours later and uh, and he's just walking downtown. And it's like, what are you doing? It's like. I'm continuing with the last command given. The last command given we was forward march. So I'm forward marching. They tried to give him an Article 15, which is they tried to bring a, a case against him. He could lose rank and lose pay. And he won that because he continued with the last command given. Okay, And so um, um, biblically, when God gave us a command and he didn't change it, he didn't uh, uh, take it away, then it's still there. And so the things that were changed very simply, Jesus, okay? Jesus is our sacrifice, so we don't have to sacrifice um, the uh, blood of bulls and goats and things anymore. Um, it's like this. The lamb was a picture of Jesus to come. Now that we have yep. Jesus, do we need the picture anymore? Brother Tim, I don't know if about this for you. Okay, this is, this is maddening. Okay, now this is frustrating. You told us that there's this new teaching. You barely mentioned it. You've not given us history. You're not giving us anything. Is this just something that you, you know a couple of guys and they just threw out some weird idea and you're dedicating an entire podcast episode to that? That's perfectly okay. I do that. But I don't say there's a new doctrine, there's a new theology. I'm like, hey, I heard this person say this absolutely insane thing. I don't say here's a new doctrine and a new theology we need to be aware of. It just seems weird that this is what they would dedicate really their first episode to. If it's a new theology that's really out there, identify it like open up their books give me their give me play clips from their preaching let us hear it so and not only that again we just have to remember the reason this is so yes jesus is better than the old covenant he in a sense is a better sacrifice better uh, better tabernacle better better priesthood he's better everything okay we got that hebrews mentions that well, let's make it very clear. We couldn't sacrifice the, it's like, well, Jesus came, so we can't sacrifice the animals. I understand that Jesus is the, is a replace, is a better than that. But let's make it very clear. We couldn't sacrifice the animals if we want to, according to the old covenant, because to sacrifice the animals, according to the old covenant, required 
a priest required the priesthood, required all the things that were, were told that had to come with it. We couldn't do it if we wanted to because there's no tabernacle, there's no temple, there's no priest, there's no, pri- there's no priesthood. All of that's gone. All of that was destroyed in 70 AD. It's not like, well, you know, we, we could go do those things. No, you couldn't do those things. We couldn't do those things any way, shape, or form biblically because they've been destroyed. They've been literally removed until, well, whatever you think is going to happen in the future. But it can't happen because it was all gone. Yes, Jesus Jesus is better. And so for the people in Hebrews, it wasn't like, hey, they could go over and do animal sacrifices or they could believe in Jesus. They could only do animal sacrifices for a couple of more years. That's why the warning in Hebrews is like, if you go back to that system, you're not going to have a sacrifice for sin. You're not going to have anything because it's all going to be destroyed. So I, I, I always hate when people teach Hebrews and they just kind of seem to ignore the, that it wasn't just like, hey, Jesus came so you can stop animal sacrifices now. No, it's like, no, Jesus has come and your, your animal sacrificial system is going to be literally removed from the face of the earth. It's going to be destroyed. You're not going to be able to do it anymore. And you're going to be left with nothing. So I, I think, I, I just like to stress that because I think it, it's often overlooked in the way Hebrews is taught. All right. I I'm, was I'm, hoping that we're going to do more here, but that's okay. That's why we review these. Look, look we review these uh, Christian uh, podcasts so that you know what's going on out there. Here we go. But when I uh, was dating my wife, I had all these pictures of my wife and I had them on my dorm. I had them on the wall. I had them everywhere. And boy, I would look at those pictures all the time. Since I got married, you know what? We still have pictures around, but I don't spend much time looking at those pictures. You want to guess why? (laughs) I've got the real thing. Why do I need the pictures when I've got the real thing? And so that is um, very simply what happened. Jesus is a sacrifice. Okay, again, they can't look at the pictures, quote unquote, uh, because the pictures were destroyed. <laughs> okay, that, like it's like, well, why would I keep looking at the pictures? Well, you can't look at the pictures because the picture, the the whole system that was the picture was the picture was burnt. It was destroyed. Rome came in and laid waste, burnt the temple. The temple is destroyed. Well, the best, like if you go to Jerusalem, you can't even look at the picture because it's, but there's just a wall there. And there's a big dome on where the temple used to be. It's no more. The picture is gone. You can't go watch the sacrificial systems because it's gone. You can't go find the high priest because it's gone. You can't find the temple because it's gone. It's not just, well, you know, we don't go focus on the picture because the real thing is here. The picture was completely destroyed. It was completely removed. All right. So I, 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 I don't understand why 70 AD doesn't play a more prominent role in the interpretation of Hebrews. I, I just, I don't understand why that's not constantly emphasized over and over and over and over and over and over and over. All right, let's, let's continue. Vice, he's come. We don't need the sacrifices anymore. And that's very clear and biblical and explained. All right, so. Yes, Jesus came. It's not that we don't need the sacrificial system anymore. It's not available. I want to make it very clear. It's not available. 
The sacrificial system isn't just the fact that I could just go get an animal and I could just sacrifice it. There were all the rules surrounding how it had to be done and who could do this and who could do that and who could take the blood in and it had to be done this way. And done. there were all those rules. It's, it's, it's not able, it's not even available. It's, it's always preached like, well, you could go sacrifice some animals, but but Jesus has come, so you don't do that anymore. You can't do it anymore. You can't because you can't follow the rules laid down for how it was supposed to be done. I don't know why that's, it's almost like in some Christians' minds, 70 AD didn't even happen, okay? It did, it, 70 AD decimated the entire, that's why the warnings in Hebrews have to be understood as warnings in relation to, hey, Jews, you won't be able to have, your entire system will be destroyed. You won't have anything. There will be no hope. We always look at it in a more like soteriological way. It's, 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 it's to be understood more in the historical context of 70 AD. All right, let's continue. The first thing that they said had changed were the sacrifices. Jesus is a lamb, and so we don't have to sacrifice lambs. Um, also, the Sabbath, okay? The- <laughs> Jesus was a sacrifice, so we don't have to sacrifice lambs anymore. You can't sacrifice lambs anymore because you can't do it according to the way the Bible would prescribe it. I I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, why is that being forgotten? Why is that being forgotten here? Okay. Oh, all right. Let's continue. Sabbath. Um, Second, uh, sorry, Corinthians 2.14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it away, took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And so those ordinances and the Sabbath and holy days are the places it talks about that. And then the meat, the dietary laws, uh, Peter talked about in Acts chapter 10, he'd never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And God said, the voice spake uh, unto him again, the second time, what God hath cleansed that call not thou common. And so those things were changed, but thou shalt not kill. Guess what? <laughs> that never changed. Thou shalt not steal. That never changed. And so um, in, in, in other places, it talks about esteeming one day over another. And we don't have to do that anymore. We don't judge somebody that does, um, but we don't have to. That's the old covenant and the new covenant. The old covenant, they had the dietary laws. Old covenant, they had the animal sacrifices. The old covenant, they had um, the Sabbath day and the holy days and the feast days and all those things because they were looking forward to Jesus coming. When Jesus came, those things changed. But thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery and all the other things. Those things did not change. And so those things are still there. So um, Tim, what we want to do is go through some of the statements that were said on the podcast and talk about them. Uh, So I listened to every episode of these and took some notes while we went through and just so many times just shaking my head, I know I would call you and go, what in the world are these guys thinking? Uh, because there were so many things that went against the Bible. So um, uh, is that the same thing? Or what were you thinking when you heard these? Um, yeah, I think, <clears throat> I think. All right. So they heard this on a podcast. All right. Now, why won't they give us the name of the podcast? They've got, they've got to give us the name of the podcast. I, I, this would make absolutely no sense. They are reviewing a podcast that supposedly put forth a new doctrine about the new covenant. 
They, if they don't give us the name, I, I don't understand. Like, what do you, you're not helping anyone. Everyone needs to know this podcast is teaching a new doctrine about the new covenant. And then have the, to me, be willing to play that podcast and really review it so that people can hear exactly what's being said and at least give them the name so that everyone can go listen to it. But see, you said, heard earlier, we're not going to give the names because we don't want to promote it. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. If you're going to criticize it, give them the name so that other people can go hear their perspective and hear your perspective in the pursuit of truth. It's not like, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bat, we're going to condemn or or, or correct or rebuke this other side, but we're not going to let anyone know the other side. That's just, they've got to play the audio clip. If they don't play the audio clips, then we've got to figure out Okay, here's what we are going to do. We have to figure out what podcasts they're talking about. We have to. This, this is like a red alert. Uh, I, I, attention, attention. All Theology Central podcast listeners, I need you to go into full research mode. We, got, we have to figure out what podcast these guys are referring to because we need to go find that podcast. And then review that podcast, then we can compare it to what this podcast says, and then we can figure out what is the truth, what is actually being taught about the new covenant that's so radically different, and and does that other podcast uh, identify the source of this new teaching, the origin? Is this new? Is this podcast they're referring to? Is this the origin, the source of this new teaching? How how popular is this other podcast? Oh, I've got questions. So, so now we have a mystery to un- unpack here. Let's see if they give us any clues. I think uh, just a few things on that, you know, along the lines of you don't have to do anything to be blessed uh, by God. Um, you don't have to worry so much about prayer and fasting in a in when you're going through a hard time or through a scary situation. Um, just and and a few things like that. That uh, though, I think sometimes they may be trying to come from. A good place and things like that. They're just off on that because those are very valuable and very important things from God's word and uh, and and in Scripture it lays it out that and we'll go into that. But um, the fact that you're already holy, so uh, no future holiness uh, is uh, required and 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 things like that. And we agree it's not required to go to heaven, but holiness right. is still talked about. Um, uh, as far as uh, they talked about, you already are perfect. Uh, you already are complete, all those things. And I think it's just uh, some some dangerous uh, directions and a lot of things that can be um, uh, be scary with that. Yes. It is. Okay, so it sounds like, now I'm, I'm trying to go into full detective mode, that whatever podcasts are referring to is really a podcast emphasizing of what we are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we're perfect. In Christ, we are holy. In Christ, we are blessed. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. In other words, this is a podcast that seems to be emphasizing the reality of our position in in Christ Jesus. And it seems that what they have done is because this is our position in Christ, then we don't have to worry about doing anything else. Our position is this, so we don't need to worry about practical righteousness, practical holiness. We don't need to worry about prayer and fasting. We don't need to worry about anything else because our position. So it seems like that there's a podcast out there that so emphasizes our position in Christ that it downloads, or downloads, it disregards the responsibility of the Christian in their practical life. 
right? So what, what, what podcast, I'm trying to think of a podcast out there that so overemphasize or so emphasizes our position in Christ that it disregards the practical responsibility we have as a Christian. I'm trying to think of a podcast and not one is coming to my mind. I'm, I'm not, I don't know. The, the only, the one that, that comes to my mind is it, would it be, see, let me see if I can find it. Let me see here. Um, give me one second. I wonder if it, I'm going to look here. See, I, I'm going to type this in. Let me find it here. Um, is Faith Alone. Faith Alone has to be, I think that has to be the podcast that they're referring to here. Let me go here. It's uh, resources here. Where is it? Um, is it called free? Uh, let me see here. Come on, come on. Help us, help us, help us, help us here. No, um, there's their blog. Okay. It's called, I think it's called Grace and Focus Radio. Grace, yes, yes. Grace and Focus Radio. Uh, Bob Wilkin, Sean L-A-Z-A-R, Lazar, discusses the promise of everlasting life to all who simply believe in Jesus for it and the, and, and the related yet distinctive mes, uh, message that all who faithfully follow Christ will receive eternal rewards. They do so from a dispensational and free grace perspective. I, I, it has to be, I'm, let's see, I'm going to, I'm going to type in, I'm going to type in new covenant New Covenant. I'm going to do search. It has to be this podcast. Um, see, right, I'm going to go here. I'm going to, maybe we'll get some. Uh, all right. What do you know about the New Covenant? I'm going to, I'm going to open this. Okay. Um, all right. Here, this is interesting. This was, when was this published? It doesn't give me a date. The name of this episode is, what do you know about the new covenant? Bob, Bob, Sean, and Ken discuss Hebrews 8 in today's broadcast and what the new covenant means to the Jewish Christians and what it means to us as the church today. Listen to this great discussion. I'm going to, I, it, just, putting together clues. They have to be referring to faithalone.org and what, what's this? Uh, again, it's called, it's called here. I mean, let me go back here. Um, Grace and Focus Radio. Grace and Focus Radio is a podcast that you can subscribe to. It's called Grace and Focus Radio. I subscribe to that podcast. That has to be the one they're, list, they're, they're, they're referring to. I could be wrong, but I that I, right now I'm gonna say this is the one they're referring to. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit more verification, but it, because Grace and Focus Radio would really 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 emphasize your position in Christ. They really emphasize that. They would hold to what is known as free grace theology, and I, there's lots of things that they do are wonderful and lots of things I agree with. That has to be who they're referring to here. Why they would not give their names. I don't know, but let's listen and see what they have to say here. I, I think I think that's that's my detective work live on the air. You you can tell me if you if you think that they're referring to a different podcast. Here we go. 
is. So um, we'll get into those. So these are some of the statements that were said in the podcast and just some Bible things that go against it. And this is what ought to be done. We're supposed to study and read the Bible. So when you hear something that, okay, that doesn't fit. But um, one of the things they said was, look, God is not looking at who I will become. You already are perfect. Like Brother Tim said, you already are holy. God's not looking at who you will become. And it's like, really? Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. No, God is absolutely working at who you're going to become. Romans 8, 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, not to be saved or not saved, that's Calvinism, we'll get into that sometime. But he said, he also did predestinate to what? To be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Yes, when God saved us, he did look at us at what we were going to become. Okay, I'm not going to get into their handling of Romans 8, 29. If he predestinates you to be conformed to the, the image of his son, th- that would have to also include salvation. But, oh, okay, all right, I mean, because he's not predestinating lost people to be conformed to the image of his son. Well, he doesn't predestinate you until you become saved. Then he predestinates you. Okay, yeah, that, that all falls apart. But we won't get into all of that. But, um... Okay, I, so I see what, so whoever they're referring to or people are like, you know, you, this is what you are in Christ and that's all that matters. It's all that matters. You don't have to worry about anything else. So I, now I'm, I'm not saying grace and focus is the one that made, but I, I'm not saying grace and focus teaches what they are claiming is being taught here, but I, it, it just sounds like that that's who they would have to be referring to. If it's not them, then I don't know who it is at this moment in time. I'm just trying to identify who it is. And just remember, that's detective work live in the air. So don't, I'm not being dogmatic about anything, but grace and focus definitely emphasizes this is who we are in Christ. We are forgiven. We are holy. And I'm not, I don't think they would ever say that these other things aren't important or even in a sense we're called to do i don't think they would say that so so either maybe they're misrepresenting them or i i don't know i don't know what's going on here see this is the problem with doing their podcast the way they're doing it you got to give information because now it just leads to wild speculation and guessing give us the who the what the where the how so that we can understand so that we can compare what you're saying to what they're saying and we can figure out the truth because you're you're requiring us basically to to view you as the dogmatic authoritative source of truth and that what you say about whoever you're talking about is absolutely accurate that that's no that that shouldn't be the way this works just like when anybody gets saved. When someone gets saved, great. You're on your way to heaven. What next? Get baptized. What next? Read the Bible. What next? Pray. What next? Go to church. What next? Live for God. What next? Witness. That's what God said we're supposed to do. In fact, of that great commission, okay, uh, they're to get saved, then to get baptized, and then what? Teach them all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Teach them what? All things. It's amazing, uh, Brother Tim, when they said, okay, after Jesus died, then the old covenant is dead, and nothing that was said in the old covenant you have to do anymore. So technically, the only thing that Jesus said after he resurrected, okay, after he resurrected, until he ascended, that's it. Everything else that Jesus said is obsolete. Everything. Because after he died, the old covenant is gone. The only thing is what he said afterwards. Could you imagine? If the only thing Jesus said we're supposed to follow is what came after the resurrection and before he ascended. That's just crazy. I 
100% agree. When you dive into those verses and, and going through the Gospels. Uh, okay, that, that, can't, that, that can't be grace and focus. So it can't, that can't be who they're referring to. Because I'm almost, I, because I, th- this sounds like an extreme, what this sounds like they're describing is an extreme form of dispensationalism. Where you say, okay, what Jesus said while he was on earth was part of the old covenant. And then after the resurrection and his, after his resurrection, everything after that would be a part of the new covenant. So you, you, we can disregard, like you, you read some of those things that Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, that's old covenant. That's, that's, that was the dispensation for, for the Jews or whatever, they, wh- wh- however you want to, to, work, to work it out. So I, I, again, they need to tell us who they're referring to. They, they've just got some invisible, anonymous someone who they're like, they said this, they said that. Okay, well, let me hear them say it. Let me hear the context of them saying it. Give me their name. L- let me verify, all right? Because, because that's the only way, and only then because we need to know that this po- there's a podcast out there promoting this idea. I don't, where is this podcast I want to know what it is. All right, here we go. Just what you said with Matthew 28, 14 and 15, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In that key phrase, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Christ was telling them to go teach the rest of the world uh, what I just taught you. And I think one of the biggest parts about that is the fact that, right, when 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 you look at, who we are as Christians and, and, uh, the Bible talks about the spirit of adoption and we are, uh, adopted into God's family as Christians and as believers. And, uh, and we are joint heirs with Christ, right? One of the ways that I look at it is Christ, uh, we're joint heirs with him. He was, uh, the son, the true son, uh, of the father who sacrificed and took our penalty so that we could be adopted into the family, uh, with an adopted father, and he was teaching us as a son who who paid the ultimate price for us to be a part of this family and adopted into this family. Christ was teaching us how to be sons to the father. And he comes down and he lives 33 perfect years and and shows us how we are to live as sons. And, and to just completely do away with that and say, hey, that is only uh, specifically uh, to those who heard Jesus teach. He was only talking to uh, the disciples. He was only talking to the Pharisees in this context and things like that. You're basically saying at a certain point, if we try to say that that whatever Christ said to certain people, it only mattered to those people uh, specifically or directly, and it doesn't count to us. And you could pretty much say the whole Bible wasn't written to us at all. Because man, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth or the church of Galatia or the all man, he was he didn't say my name. He wasn't talking to Absolutely. Tim Peterson. We're right? not Galatians. So, yeah, exactly. We're not Galatians. So, We're Americans. So in, doesn't in apply true, to us. In true context, that doesn't apply to me because if you're looking at who he was talking to, it doesn't apply. And I think you can get to a dangerous point with that because it's like no, when Jesus was teaching the disciples those things or teaching the multitudes the things in Matthew five through seven and and Sermon on the Mount and stuff like that, those things still do apply to us as believers today. 
Absolutely. So speaking of that, so um, next thing they said, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. You're already blessed. You're already holy. You're already perfect. You're already complete. You don't have to do anything uh, because you already are that. And I understand there's the spiritual and the actual. We are seated in the heavenlies. We already have eternal life and everlasting life. But on this earth, like you said, as one of God's children, there are things in which he wants us to do. To get in my family, all my kids have to do is be born. After they're born, there's a lot of things I want them to do. Not to be in my family, but because they are in my family. It's amazing how. So uh, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. So like you said, Tim, what about Matthew 5? Blessed what? Uh, Blessed are many things. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed, this is my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. No, nope, nope, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that because that was before Jesus died. And he is. Okay. Oh, boy. Now, again, they're, they're being very critical of whoever. This, this is so not fair. Okay. What, what is happening here is just, okay, I'm just going to be, be dogmatic here. This is just not right. Because he's like, he's like, see, they said this. They, you took one statement. I, I have no context at all for the statement. You didn't give what they were talking about. You didn't, you didn't explain it. You're just, you're just, we're listening to a podcast. You wrote down one quote and now you're like, boom, boom. No, they said you don't have to do anything to be blessed. Well, what about Matthew 5? What about Matthew 5? Okay, well, let's go through Matthew 5, right? Let's go through Matthew 5. Uh, yeah, look at all those things that supposedly you have to do to be blessed and then at, then really ask, then really answer me, are you really blessed? Because I will argue that most of those things about what we have to do to be blessed, you're going to find yourself not being blessed because you're not going to meet those requirements. You're going to fall short. Do you have to do all of those to be blessed or do you only have to do one? If you do one, do you get some blessing? If you do two, you get more blessing. What's re- what's actually being required there? I think what you'll see in Matthew 5 when you look at the Beatitudes and the things we have to do in order to be blessed as you're going to find yourself going, woe is me. I'm never going to be truly blessed because I fall short. I don't truly hunger and thirst after righteousness the way I should. I'm not pure in heart. I'm not necessarily a peacemaker. I can go on and on and on through them. So I think what you have to realize is, wait a minute, that's going to condemn you. That's going to condemn you. So then what I have to realize is, hmm, I don't know if I will ever be blessed the way if I if this is the requirement, but I do know someone who did all of those things. I do know s- someone who was a peacemaker. I do know so I do know someone who did hunger and thirst after righteousness. I do know someone who who was pure in heart, and that was Jesus Christ. And I do know that in the Bible says that in Him I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. So I am blessed in Jesus Christ. Now I'm not saying that there aren't things that we do in order to quote unquote experience some kind of blessing in this life. There are things that we can do to be blessed. Uh, Psalm chapter one talks about the blessed man who meditates on God's word day and night. But just remember every verse that says you have to do this in order to be blessed, you're never going to do it perfectly. So you would always fall short of the true experiencing the true blessing because you would never do it perfectly. So I would argue that yes, you all, the only way to truly be blessed is in Christ, but I would not say that these other things are not things you should not pursue or try to do. So is that the context these people were talking about? Like, but they're not, they're not giving us the context. No, 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 no. They're just, they just wrote down quotes. 
And I'm trying to tell you, there's this false teaching out there. Yeah, this is disingenuous. This is not, this is not the way you do it. Okay, I, let, let me help you guys. Grab the audio from that other podcast and work, yourself, work through it step by step by step, analyzing it, critiquing it, and reviewing it. Which I'm using all of those words because that is the very definition of fair use. You're using something in order to critique it, to review it, to analyze it. So it's transformative. You're not just playing it. You're using it to do something more with it. That meets the, the, the criteria for fair use, all right? And that's the reason I'm using those words. So, but not only that, it's, it, not only is that fair use, to me, it's the most ethical, right thing to do because you're allowing the other person to speak for themselves. You're, you're offering the critique. You're offering the review, but other people get to hear the other, the thing you're critiquing for themselves. Here, I don't have any context at all I mean, they just took random quotes and wrote them down. Is uh, the death of the testator, all that died. You don't have to do that anymore. That literally is what they're saying and what they're believing when God said no. And we're to teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Nope, nope, Sermon on the Mount, that's before Jesus died. You don't have to do that. That's crazy. Um, and so that's what they believe. So they say the new, t- new covenant doesn't start until the death of Christ. Therefore, everything that Christ preached in regards to the law um, or under the law, not grace. Okay? And so uh, we already said. I think what this is is I think this is a, an extreme form of dispensationalism. I think what's being discussed here, I think what they dis, they've stumbled upon is a podcast that seems to have a very, very, very extreme view of dispensationalism and taking it to a very extreme level. Like, you know, that's a different dispensation. We're not in that dispensation, so it doesn't apply. This seems to be, maybe they should be having a discussion about dispensationalism and the different kinds of dispensationalism. Maybe, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know because that will give me the name of the podcast that they supposedly listen to to get all of these quotes from. That Matthew 28, that is not it. So um, um, another one, James 1.12, blessed is a man that endureth temptation. Hey, guess what? That is after Jesus died. That's New Testament. That's James. So are we going to be blessed if we endure temptation? In fact, he said, for when he has tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Uh, as you know, there are five different crowns that God can give us in heaven for what we do down here. So if they say, hey, you're already holy, you're already blessed, you don't have to do anything, then what do those crowns have to do with anything? What do we do with that? Those crowns are given because of what we do down here after we're saved. Um, also, Second uh, Timothy 4, 8, Henceforth there is later for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, um, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Second Timothy, hey, this is after Jesus died, buried, rose again, and ascended. And God said, hey, we would have this blessing, this crown of righteousness, if we look forward and love Jesus appearing. And so uh, uh, it is amazing how people can even get that or don't even follow after that. So, uh, so what do you have to do after salvation? Nothing. And here is their illustration with Tim. They said, literally, the thief on the cross all he did was trust Jesus, and he didn't do anything else. That's it. That's our example. Excuse me. Do you see any uh, error in that? The thief on the cross, he did what? Yeah, I think there's, uh, there's a couple things with that. But, uh, but I mean, first off, that he, when he was on the cross, 
uh, not that that's necessarily a just punishment nowadays, but that was the punishment of the day when he was on the cross and he was up there as a thief, which, hey, we're, we are all sinners and we face punishments at times. But he called on, on Jesus and, uh, and he is, I believe, in heaven today because no works were involved. All he had to do was put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, but um, I would be interested to see what kind of rewards uh, that the thief gets exactly. at the at <laughs> at the judgment, you know, judgment seat of Christ. I think that it's probably not going to be too many. Again, we have no context. We have no con. Like, okay, they used the thief on the cross to illustrate it. Okay, I, I need to hear. The illustration. I need to hear what came before. I need to hear what came after. I need to look up the podcast. I need to look up their church backgrounds. I need to look up their theologies. There, there, I, there's so much context that I need. And they're not giving us anything. But the whole simplicity to this is when they use the thief on the cross as an illustration and he didn't do anything after that. Yeah, he died. So he couldn't do anything. He's on the cross. He's getting the death penalty. So to use him as an illustration that, see, after you get saved, you don't have to do anything. Obviously, if I get saved and the next hour I die, there's nothing else I can do. But as long as you live, then we are supposed to live for God. Um, and so uh, here, John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you have to keep his commandments to be saved? No. Should we keep his commandments to show him we love him? Absolutely. Oh, no, but uh, this was before Jesus died on the cross. But you know what? Not very much. In the New Testament, John 14 through 17 is known as the farewell discourse given to Jesus to the disciples immediately after the Last Supper and before his crucifixion. Okay, so how much time is that? Could you imagine? Read John 14 through John 17, this farewell discourse and all the things that Jesus said to do. Nope, it doesn't matter. Why in the world would he tell them, listen, if you love me, keep my commandments, but you only have to do that for the next few hours because I'm getting ready to die, and then you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, does that make any sense at all that he's going to give them these three chapters, but you only have to do it for the next few hours? And by the way, when you follow what the disciples did during those hours, uh, they didn't do very good. <laughs> they didn't show Jesus that they loved him. Uh, cursed for, denied Christ, ran. No, that's not um, what Jesus told them to do. And it's amazing. They Nope, Jesus said that before he died, so none of that matters. Uh, no, absolutely it does. He's giving his disciples what they're supposed to do after he's dead and what they're supposed to do for the rest of their life. Um, so, um, then they said, uh, oh, um, you don't have a desire to sin anymore. Really? Where in the world do you get that? Paul said, first Timothy one fifteen. um, he said, uh, he, he came to the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, not was who am chief. Romans seven eighteen nineteen. 19, uh, he said for in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Um, and then uh, Romans seven twenty four. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law, and with the flesh, the law of sin. We are still going to sin. We're in this body. Paul said he's chief of sinners. The things he wants to do, he doesn't do, and he is a wretched man. And um, and so that whole, I am holy, I am blessed, I am perfect, I am complete. Um, Paul, the best Christian I think any of us could ever uh, know besides Jesus, that was not his attitude. Agreed. And to say that 
<clears throat> that we are holy when we're inside a body of flesh, which is completely unholy. And that's what Paul's saying in this, man, we're living inside this body of flesh. And until we go to heaven, we're going to be dealing with the flesh this whole life and the rest of our lives. And, and we're constantly going to be trying to tame it and control it and crucify it. That's why we are supposed to crucify our flesh daily with temptations and lusts because of what Christ did for us on the cross. There, there is, there, there are things as Christians we are supposed to do after salvation to please God and to show our love for God. And, and I would, I guess it comes back to, uh, in, in my mind, crucifying my flesh daily, uh, with the affections and lusts should be such a, such an easy thing in comparison to what Christ did for me on the cross. And because right. of what he did for me, man, it should be, it shouldn't be this, this, uh, this super hard thing for me to do. It should, you know, not that it's always easy, but to say daily, man, I die daily to the flesh because of what he did for me. It's, it's a whole different mindset. But when you look at dying to the flesh as these rules and regulations from God's word and this overbearing, uh, overbearing thing you got to do, then I feel like you're looking at it from the, the wrong perspective. Absolutely. Another statement that was said, uh, you don't have to pray and ask God to forgive you um, because when you sin now, First John 1, 9 was written to the unsaved people. Uh, one of the just, you shake your head and go, what? First John 1, 9, very simply explained, every almost basic Christian understands this. I explained this to somebody right after they get saved, that when you get saved, you're sealed, you're settled, you have eternal life, it's forever, you can't lose it. But when you sin, God spanks you as one of his children, and you do right, God can bless you as one of his children. And when we sin, what we do is we go to God and we confess it, not to be saved, that's already done, but we do that to keep a close relationship with our father. And I use the illustration with my wife. If I am upset, mad, yell at my wife, are we still married? Yes. Okay. How close is our relationship? It's not. I need to go to her and say, honey, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? What can I do to make it right? Not to be married, but to have a close relationship. Same thing. When we sin against God, we go to God, we confess it to God, not to be saved, but because we are saved and we want to have a close relationship. They say, oh yeah, First uh, John uh, 1 is written to um, save people. Okay. No, it's not. It's written, uh, uh, it's, it's written to unsaved people, they say. Uh, no, it's written to save people who think now that that's not a new teaching that First John one is written to unsaved people, or because uh, I have, I have been told I have had a, a pastor call me one time and argue with me about First John, uh, and like no that's written to an unsaved person. First John one it says uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's not someone who is saved. That is someone who is unsaved, and and because basically we can be sinless and we don't have to sin and we can stop sinning because while well, 1 John is going to say some things that seem to imply somehow that we basically can stop sinning. So that, yeah, I that's not new. That's not new. But again, I would like to know what this podcast that they're listening to, what it is. I, I still want to know what they're referring to, what they, are, what they are reviewing, what they are, because they're only giving us these little snippets, not even the of the audio. They're, they're just grabbing words and just reading the words and we can't even hear the we can't hear anything. We don't know how it's said, how it's not said. We yeah. I want to know more about 
What I want to know, know now is the podcast that they were reviewing. That's what we need to find out. They're sinless. Verse 8, right before it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He's talking about people, and this is done a lot. Christians, oh, I'm saved. <laughs> I remember a lady told me, uh, she goes, I am one of the best Christians I know. <laughs> My wife and I are like, really? We know you. You are the worst Christian we know. The best Christian um, has no idea they're the best Christian because the closer you get to the cross, the more you realize, like Isaiah, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. The closer you get to Jesus, the light, the more we're going to see how many flaws that we have. And so this is not written to unsaved people to get saved. This is written to save. For instance, go read it for yourself. First John 1, verse 2. By the way, First John says four times in it, brethren, 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 okay? That saved people. Eternal life was manifest unto us, it says. Now, First John 1, verse uh, 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifest unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that we also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. These things write I unto you that your joy may be full. If you want to see the context, okay, why is something written? Go read and see why it's written. Um, And many times it will tell you that. Here it is in verse four. He says, I wrote these things to you so you can be saved, so you can trust Christ as your savior. No, I wrote these things to you that after you're saved, your joy may be full. It is not talking to unsaved people. And 1 John 1, 9 is getting saved. Absolutely not. And it's amazing when people have false doctrine and they try to fix and patch the holes, They don't do a good job because it doesn't fit. That square peg and a round hole, it doesn't fit when you take that out of context. And just to follow up on that, in that context of it, when John's writing to him, think about when it's being written to believers. If you have a believer or even you yourself as a believer, uh, us, we, if we get to a point to where we believe that we have no sin, and we, we really are deceiving ourselves. And our joy will not be full. That is truly to believers. It is for our joy to be full Absolutely. after salvation. Man, we cannot just deceive ourselves and say we don't have sin. We're still in this body of flesh. And confession um, in life, in every relationship, if there's hiding, if there's deception, if there's sin, if there's betrayal, confession helps heal that relationship. And, and for us to say that, that confession is not needed with the father, the one who gave his son for us after salvation. And when we continue to sin and, uh, despite the fact of what Jesus did for us and his son that he offered for us, and we just continue to sin and then just put it, put it off as, Hey man, I just got to keep looking to Jesus, which yes, we do need to keep looking to Jesus, but we need to go to the father and say, you know, be merciful to me, a sinner, man, like God, I need help. Absolutely. Um, Well, we're coming up on 45 minutes with this. It's hard to believe. We are definitely going to make two parts out of this. Um, But before we do, I want to share one of the things that was just sad, hurtful. Um, I I hurt for these guys and what they're doing. One guy was saying, and by the way, it really gets to the crux of it. They said, um, 
You know, since I found this new doctrine, the Christian life is so much more fun. I enjoy it so much more. (laughs) I thought, you know what? Um, If I thought the boss, when I went to work, said, you know what? You got the job. Do whatever you want to do. Come when you want. Go when you want. If you don't want to show up, you don't have to come. If you don't want to work when you come, you don't have to work. Just do whatever you want to do. Guess how much fun work would be? (laughs) Hey, Brother Tim, if that was your job, how much fun? I enjoy my work so much more now that I realize I don't have to do anything, okay? Uh, Of course you're going to, but you're going to wake up one day and that boss is going to go, guess what? No, that's not it, and that's not what Jesus is saying at all. Uh, How would your job be? uh, Would would your job be more fun if you didn't have to do anything? Uh, Definitely. And and to that point, if the if the boss says, hey, you're hired and you can really do whatever you want. And uh, but at the end, you'll be paid off your work. Um, You're hired, but you're going to be paid off your work. Um, and, uh, yeah, during the shift and during the work week, it'd be easy to just do nothing, but man, come there, there is a time when uh, Friday hits and, and you may have a paycheck, you may not. And, uh, and man, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ and standing before the throne and what we do with our life and how we offer our, our body as a living sacrifice and get the gospel out to others. That is going to be judged. We will face judgment as saved people, we will face judgment that that is going to happen. That's biblical. And to act like there will be no judgment whatsoever. It's not the great white throne. It's the judgment seat of Christ for Christians. There will be judgment. So to try and act like that part of the Bible is not there. I, I feel like is, is blind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Romans 14, as it is written, uh, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And again, that's not talking about the great white throne judgment. Second Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he done, whether it be good or bad. As Brother Tim said, we're rewarded according to our labor. All right, you're hired. Hey, you're saved. Um, here's what I want you to do. But if you don't, you're still saved, but you will be rewarded according to your labor because one day, Jesus, when we stand before him and kneel and bow, okay, give an account, one day he's going to look at us and either say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, and put a crown on our head. Or one day he's going to look at us and say, you are a wicked and slothful servant, and I cannot fathom um, Jesus looking at me and saying that. And so absolutely, we're rewarded according to our labor. You're saved, but what we do will matter, not to get you to heaven, but the rewards, somehow the treasures that are laid up in heaven, um, the crowns, who knows? We know more about hell than we do about heaven. When Paul saw the third heaven, he said, it's unlawful. I can't put in words what I saw, but boy, We don't have to see it as long as we're doing what he says when he comes to find us what? So doing, that's what he wants us to do. So um, Tim, I'm going to tell this one one other story and then if you have anything in closing um, there for us, but it is uh, one of the guys said, that, uh, man, and, and you hear the attitude then, most of the guys that get off on this kind of stuff, they were rebels already, and they 
they complied for a while to the preaching and teaching that was taught to them. They were rebels already, and uh, almost every one of them I've heard give that testimony like that. Not all of them, but many of them do. And so now they found this new way where they can do whatever they want, and there's no big deal, and it doesn't matter. And this one guy said, man, I hate it when they tell me, uh, you know, man, you're not right with God. I am right with God. I'm saved. No matter what I do, I am right with God. And uh, you don't have to do anything to be blessed. And um, and it doesn't matter. And it's amazing. I was right after I heard that podcast, I was reading the book of Acts. And we have the story there in Acts chapter 8 of um, Simon. Okay. Simon got saved, the Bible says. Simon um, said that uh, he got saved and he got baptized, um, and now he wanted to serve God. So verse 13, then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs that were done. Okay? You can't deny it. This guy would say, this is Acts. Okay? This is New Covenant. All right? New Covenant in Acts. So I don't know how they're going to get out of this or how they try to. Um, And so they saw the Holy Ghost come down. They saw the Holy Ghost was given when they laid on hands. And so then Simon saw that through, this is verse 18, through laying on of hands um, on the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying... Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. What? He said, you don't have to do anything. You are right with God. Guess what? (laughs) Peter said he is not and these guys are going to find out they're not either. And then he said, repent. What? No, I can do whatever I want. I'm saved. This new covenant. I don't have to change anything. I can do what I want. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray uh, God. He's the one that also said, you don't have to pray. Your daughter's in the hospital. I don't have to pray. I can just rest that God's okay. <laughs> he said, uh, your heart's not right with God. You need to repent and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. It's just, wow, I just heard that. And God said, yes, heresy is what they're in. Teaching heresy. And what's the big deal? And the Bible says that when we teach people, the wrong way. <laughs> There's some people that are going to receive a greater damnation in hell if they're not saved. And then the people that are saved that are teaching wrong, the Bible said that they will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. And so, boy, what a story that totally goes against what the guys were saying uh, because they were not right with God and they needed to be able to change that um, because uh, their heart wasn't right and they needed to pray. So anyway, pretty amazing. I agree, and I think it just gets back to the point of sound doctrine, and um, and even just being on this, uh, uh, you know, this podcast. I'm definitely uh, the younger guy, and things like that. And um, and hey, don't rub I it in. Something, <laughs> if I say something that is uh, that is uh, out of line, or uh, you know, uh, not according to God's word, and I start to teach something, then I want to know, like. If if at our church and I'm teaching the teen Sunday school class and and it's it's not accurate to God's word, then hey, I I want you to tell me. I don't want to teach something that's that's inaccurate. And and hopefully, if someone is out there and they're teaching something that that is brand new or brand new to them and things like that, then then uh, 
then they can get to the point to where, man, they, they pray and go before God and just say, hey, is this is this right? Is this sound doctrine? Because uh, I think that is very important. I think it's it's very dangerous to uh, to try and teach to the point of saying, hey, uh, you can live certain ways and, and sort of uh, no longer talk about sin or discuss sin. Uh, but sin is very real. And, uh, and even in the new Testament, even in the new covenant, all throughout the Bible, it's consistent. And, uh, and sin is something that we are supposed to stay away from as Christians and, uh, and something we're supposed to fight the good fight of faith and, and, uh, and focus on souls, focus on, uh, leading people to Christ, focus on the work we're doing for Christ and, uh, and stay close to God's word and, and things like that. So, um, I just think, awesome. uh, we could all be a little bit more careful on, on, uh, our own sound doctrine and, and, uh, proving it, making sure it's proven, uh, from God's word before we push it out. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we're going to end this one now. Again, I don't want to make these too long. We will have part two of this. There's a lot more. And um, I hope that uh, you've enjoyed this. It's been a help to you. I hope that you look at the Bible and say, okay, make sure this lines up with the rest of the Bible. If there's something that you hear or think, okay, I don't know if this is right. God gave us pastors and teachers uh, for those reasons to be able to help us. Apollos was mighty in the word, but Aquila and Priscilla taught him the word of God more perfectly. And so with a, with a humble heart, heart, that's the kind of attitude that we want to take. And uh, I've always said, boy, if I'm teaching anything that goes different than the Bible, the Bible's right and I'm not. I want to be correct. I don't want to be in error. And that's the humble heart that we ought to have. So, all right, we're going to uh, close this. So if you have a question or a comment or a hate, go ahead. Okay. Send it to the fundamentalbaptistpodcast.com or at gmail.com. Send it to that and uh, we'll look forward to getting that and I'm sure we'll uh, do an episode sometime of just uh, answering those questions. But uh, Brother Tim, thank you for being here. Uh, Excited to have you here and looking forward to this podcast and hopefully we can help a lot of people to have. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at thefundamentalbaptistpodcast at gmail.com. There you have it. It, I'm fascinated by supposedly this teaching out there, but they didn't identify the origin of the teaching. They didn't ad- identify the source from which they are supposedly hearing this teaching. It's from a podcast, but we don't know what podcast. The more they talk, that's not Grace and Focus. There's no way that's Grace and Focus Radio. I, I thought maybe that had to be it because I knew they talked about the new covenant. I knew they talked about Hebrews 8. But I clearly that's not grace and focus. I don't know what they're referring to. I don't know what they're talking about. So all they did was just take, this is what they said, but we don't have any context. Now you can, I would challenge you to subscribe to the fundamental, the fundamental Baptist podcast and listen to, to part two of them talking about this new covenant theology. Um, we're, we won't review it here because the goal here is just to turn the spotlight on and then you go listen to it. If you do listen to it and you have questions about anything related to what they're talking about, let me know. And then we'll just do an episode dealing with that particular subject. We now, and if you need me to go back and review what they say, then, then tell me, give me the timestamp and we'll, we'll, we'll actually review what they say and not take anything out of context. But um, that's, that's interesting, but frustrating because if we can't identify really where this theology is coming from, then really you didn't, you didn't help anyone because we got to know how widespread it is. We got to know what it is. So, well, you can draw your own conclusions on that podcast and what you think about it. Um, Again, they're, they're very new into it. 
So you got to give them, you got to show them a little bit of grace and letting them figure this out. But let me tell you, if you're going to, if you're going to review and critique someone's theology, you've got to identify the who, the what, the where, the when, the how, or your critique is really just you saying, I heard someone say this and we're going to talk about it. Okay. Well, I, I could t- I could turn now it's one thing to turn on the microphone and go I heard someone make this statement let's talk about it it's another thing to say there's a new theology there's a new doctrine because if it's just a bunch of guys who just made up a new doctrine on a podcast is it really that significant I mean do we, now we may want to talk about it but we'll talk about it and place it in its right understanding this is not necessarily a new doctrine a new theology here's some crazy things some people said on a podcast here is the podcast let's listen to the crazy things. That's far different than saying, here's a new theology, here's a new doctrine, because a new theology and a new doctrine is something that everyone needs to know about because it could show up in their church and a sermon. And, and so then, but then you've got to identify its source so that we can go back and figure out how it originated and if there's a stream of theology out there that's influenced by it. This didn't give us anything that we actually need. So I'm fascinated I just would be more fascinated. I know I'm fascinated, but now I'm irritated because I can't go actually look anything up. But there you have it. That's where we turn the spotlight on today. I know that took, again, that's one of the reasons, doing the Christian podcast spotlight episodes, it takes so long. And and I know part of it's my fault, but I, I, I want you to hear exactly what's going on so that you can hopefully subscribe to them. I like, like to me, I don't want to just rip something out of context. I want you to hear the full context and then we can talk about it. But there you go. And just remember, I don't just turn the spotlight on podcasts that I think are great. I turn, I listen to podcasts that I don't always agree with because I got to hear different perspectives here. There's a lot here that I agreed with what they said. I just don't agree with how they approach this supposed false doctrine because they didn't, I mean, there's, there's no fair representation of it. And I don't care if I'm, if you're, I don't care who you're critiquing, you've got to give a fair representation of what you're critiquing. That, that's the only right way. But you can draw your own conclusions. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. All right, I'm going to stop there. And uh, everyone have a great day. God bless.